Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting next to my partner in crime, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field, back from Detroit from a piece of cake, no doubt, <laughs> never wondered about it at all, Packers victory to secure a first Man. round bye in the playoffs, Wes. Just the way... Uh, Green Bay drew it up for week 17, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just the way when, you, when you're sitting in the meetings in the week, just drawing it up, this is exactly how we want this thing to play out. Yeah. I'll tell you what, uh, this, the, the story was made out of a lot of reporters afterwards, and the questions were asked in locker room. I'm sure it came up in the news conferences, too. Packers beat the Detroit Lions twice this season without leading for a single second of either game yeah. up until the final score. I mean, I, I'd be hard-pressed to tell you the last time that that's happened in NFL history. Actually, the it's, same team. According, according to Elias Sports Bureau, it's only the second time in league history it's ever happened. Yeah. 1977, Saints over 49ers twice. It's the only other time it's ever happened in league history. And this is another oh. thing. Reader pointed out in Inbox, Lori from Costa Rica. You know Lori, yeah, Lori from Costa Rica. Yeah, Lori, good friend of ours. Yeah. Friend of the she, show. Uh, she pointed out that if you go back to the Hail Mary game in 2015 in Detroit, three of the Packers' last five victories now against Detroit have been games where the Packers did not lead at all until the final <sighs> until the final play of the game. So something about the Packers and the Lions and the way this rivalry is going right now. But that being said, uh, boy... Um, <laughs> I don't, e- I don't even know where to start with this one. You can start with the garbage first half or the miraculous second half. I don't know. But the Packers somehow, someway, as they've done 13 times this year, they found a way to win a ball game, and it was another one of those games that things did not look all that great at various stages, but they got it done. And we could talk about that first half. We could talk about that second half. But where I actually want to start this with is Mason Crosby. Yeah. And not just the kick, the redemptive kick. I wrote about it. I think you led, uh, was a game notes with it or the column with it. It was really interesting when he was in the locker room because so many people wanted to ask him about Detroit last year. Sure. His four missed field goals and the missed extra point, that nightmare. Yeah, he's back at the scene of the crime. And, you know, working through everything that he did this season – but it was something that he mentioned where he's like, I don't want to talk. His first quote as he's talking to me, he's like, I don't want to, you know, look at that. That was so long ago. I want to talk about this team. I want to talk about this locker room. And he said, this is a special team. And I think when you try to, to break it all down and you, and you put a, a title description of this 2019 season, this is a special team. They found unorthodox ways to be 13-3. and three. And if you can't appreciate that, there's really nothing I can do for you. Right, right. Could it be prettier at times? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, not the start the Packers wanted whatsoever. But when the chips are down, as I keep saying over and over again, whether it's inbox or whether it's on the show, you have to beat the Green Bay Packers for 60 minutes. You can get off to a big lead on them. They're going to claw their way back if you let them. You can get off to a slow start, and you might find a way to get yourself back in the fourth quarter, but then they close out where they need to. They always have that counterpunch when they need it at exactly the right time. And in this particular case, it was the Blake Martinez interception, Zadarius Smith's pressures, and a incredible final series by the Packers offense to put Mason Crosby in position to make the 33-yard game-winning field goal. Yeah, I mean, you look at the anatomy of the comeback. What gets lost in it a little bit, quite frankly, Wes, is that the score is 17-3, to 
in the middle of the third quarter. The Packers have just come off a drive where Crosby has missed a long field yeah. goal by inches, 51-yarder that just goes outside the upright. So it's still 17-3. to The Lions get the ball back, but they punt, and they pin the Packers on the five-yard line. So you're nine minutes left in the third quarter. You're down by 14. You seemingly have nothing going for you. Aaron Rodgers' statistics at this point in the game are ugly. And they put together a 95-yard touchdown drive, 17-10. to 10, You get back in it. The touchdown pass to Devontae Adams comes on third and 10. After the interception by Martinez, the touchdown pass by Alan Lazard that ties the game at 20 comes on third and 10. Yep. Um, and that was after a fourth and one conversion to Devontae Adams that kept that drive right. alive uh, a few plays earlier. And then the defense, after Martinez gets the interception that sets up the tying drive, the defense gets two more stops in the final five minutes to give Rodgers and the offense two cracks at the game-winning drive. The first one doesn't work out. The second one hinges on a screen pass to Aaron Jones for 31 yards that gets the Packers into Crosby's field goal range. And a screen pass, which I wrote about in my postgame editorial, the Packers hadn't called a screen pass all day. Yeah. Matt LaFleur said he's never gone into a game with fewer screens in the game plan because all the film study on Detroit showed that screens didn't work against those guys. But with the game on the line, Aaron Rodgers is calling the plays in the two-minute drill, as, as he always does. He decides, after 59 minutes of not running a screen, decides to call one. It didn't look the prettiest, as the entire, right. you know, the entire game did. But Rodgers got the ball to Jones, got a couple blocks, made a couple guys miss. He gets 31 yards. And this was the theme of my post-game editorial. This Packers team, and it just it piggybacks off of what you just said, they have the the story of this season is that this Packers team makes the right play at the right time right. to win a game. And I don't care if you're talking about interceptions in the end zone late in the fourth quarter that won some games early in the year, goal line stop to beat Carolina, clutch first downs in the four minute offense to just close out a game without giving the ball back to the other team. This team has a way to just make the right play at the right time, no matter what has happened in the rest of the game. And that's that's how they've won. And to me, and I take nothing away from Blake Martinez's interception, but to me it was it was the screen pass yeah. just because of the circumstance of the fact that it wasn't really in the game plan. They hadn't tried one. They'd had one practice, essentially right. full-speed practice, all week long on a short week with the holiday. And yet... With a minute left in the game, they call the play, they execute it, and it wins the game for Well, them. and this is the, the reason, to, to start with the, the Martinez play, that it stands out to me as the defense, other than a couple explosive plays early on. I mean, you got to remember, the Packers gave up 54 yards of total yards in the second half. There was the big 30-yard defensive pass interference yeah. penalty. There were four first downs, yeah. four first downs and three points, the three points being a monstrous field goal by Matt Prater that a lot of teams wouldn't even have tried. Yeah. But Prater's got the leg to make that indoors, and he drilled Yeah, it. and if not for that net, it would have landed in Lake Michigan. <laughs> so, I mean, just yeah. an incredible kick by him. But right. the defense... That had, was all they gave up in the they second They had buckled half. down, but what was missing at that time? They needed a takeaway. They needed to turn the momentum. And as this is right after the Packers get the ball back, and they go three and out offensively. They can't connect on any of those deep shots. So they give them the chance. They give them an opportunity. So Martinez gets the pick. Zadarius Smith gets the pressure. They get down the field. Alan Lazar high points the ball perfectly. And then credit to Matt LaFleur and the coaching staff. They had the perfect plan 
perfect play set up for that. A quarters beater that basically Lazard knew once they shifted the coverage a certain way that the ball was going to go to him. Rodgers throws it where only he can catch it, and the former undrafted rookie steps up. Yeah, great so catch. Great you get catch. the game tied. Yep. But all that's well and good, but the defense gets another stop. And as you point out, you get the opportunity then to go for a game-winning drive, to go try to get this thing down the field. Uh, a big mistake with the the hitting Rodgers on the slide, just a not good technique at all. I think that was Wilson who had that, right? Yeah, Tavon, Wil- Tavon Wilson drilled Rodgers on the slide and got flagged, and it was like a two-yard scramble that ended up being a 17-yard yeah. play with the 15-yard penalty. And Tavon Wilson actually, I thought, had a pretty good game. He had that breakup on Aaron Jones earlier, yeah. but when the quarterback's sliding like that, you can't be diving in with the shoulder. They're just going to call that every single time, even though I know some of the fans for the Lions didn't like it. Sure. They have the opportunity. They draw up that play, and it was interesting listening to the offensive lineman and also Aaron Jones talk about how that came together, sort of the muddied uh, screen pass. I mean, just being able to shift through that, dice through it, and Jones gets to pick up those yards. You know, I made the argument in our game notes section that he did get his 1,000-yard season, which is incredibly meaningful. He had a 100-yard day on the ground, but that screen pass, that set the tone for the Packers being able to win that ball game. It gets the ball down to the 20-yard line at the time of the Lions and really makes the Packers sort of feel comfortable with where they're going to be at. They force Detroit to burn their last two timeouts, and Mason Crosby goes in there and does what he does. Aaron Jones... The one thing we have learned this year, this guy is a legitimate superstar in this league. He is a guy that you can carry, you can put the weight of your team on him, and he might be 5'9 and 208 pounds, but he's going to be able to carry that load. That's a 5'9, 208 pound engine of a yes. playoff offense, is, is really what it is. He's, he's the guy who's making this work. And for only the second time in his career, there really wasn't a plan B. Jamal Williams was inactive with the shoulder injury. It had to be Aaron Jones, and he stepped up and rose to the occasion. Yeah, well, you look at you look at the way this game unfolded, Wes, and you know it was one of those things that if it could go wrong in the first half, it did. Whether you want to talk about drop passes, passes that were off target, penalties on both sides, missed tackles. The Lions were running the ball really, really well. The Lions even get points at the end of the first half when they've essentially given up. They're just handing off with yeah. 20 seconds left to see if maybe they can break a run. Lo and behold, they do a 40-yard run, with and then Ty Johnson. And, yeah, it wasn't and, even carry on or right, Bo Scarborough. Or Bo Scarborough. It was their third down. Back. So they so they end up getting in field goal range when uh, they weren't even necessarily trying to, and it just happens. So they get three more points at the end of the first half. Then in then in the second half. Admittedly, you don't pull off a comeback like this without some luck, without some good fortune, yeah. without some breaks. And the Packers got some. When you look at the fact that Martinez got an extra 15 yards on his interception return because of a stupid personal foul on Danny Amendola. Um, you already mentioned the 15 yards on Tavon Wilson. Those are 30 yards that led to 10 points yeah. in this in this comeback for the Packers. I I personally thought I didn't understand the way the Lions were running the ball. They had a three-headed monster in the backfield that had piled up 160 rushing yards in the game, more than, had like 112 in the first half, and they only handed the ball off eight times in the second half yeah. when you had the lead the whole time. I didn't understand that. The Lions put the game in the hands of their undrafted rookie quarterback, and ultimately he made the critical mistake, which was trying to throw a deep ball under pressure from Smith. He badly underthrows it, and Martinez gets the pick. So that was, yes, it was a good play by the defense, but also, again, a fortunate break. It was just one of these games that that 
that goes back and forth, and then you all of a sudden you're 55 minutes in, you've got five minutes left on the clock, and everything's a wash because the score yeah. is tied. So then it's like, okay, who's going to make a play to win the game? And even when Aaron Rodgers throws an interception late in the game, it was on third and 20. It essentially functioned as about a 54-yard punt, yeah. which was better than you would normally even hope for off of a regular punt. Yeah, with Kumaro so, tackling him right away. Yeah, with Kumaro making making the tackle right away. So that ended up working out in, in the Packers' favor as well. But at the end of the day... Again, there you know, Matt Laf- it, it's interesting. Matt LaFleur's post game press conferences, he continues to just say a lot of the same things. And I'm not saying that as a criticism, but it's because it's because it's just about this team. It's you know, he he continues to talk about the resilience, the 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 belief in each other, the the just the character of the team that these guys are gonna give everything they have for four quarters. No matter what the heck has happened, no yeah. matter what has gone right, no matter what has gone wrong, they're just going to battle their way to the end. And this is the Packers team that's going into the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, th- this is this is who they are. We'll see where it goes from here. Yeah, and I mean, just to touch quickly on that first half, as you mentioned, offensively, not the start they're looking for, trying to find some rhythm early, and they're just not able to do it. They do finally get that field goal at the end of the half, and then they gave it right back Yeah, they gave it right back in 20 seconds. To fall behind 17-3. to But what impressed me the most about that performance is they lose Corey Lindsley to the back injury. Yes. That means it becomes Lucas Patrick, who signed a contract extension on Saturday, <laughs> on Saturday. with the team. Well, now he's in there for the first time. Signed it right before he got on the plane, I think, right? He's in there now for the first time since Dallas. Then you you have Alan Lazard step up, make a critical catch. You know, one of the big go-to options with as much attention as the Lions were giving Devontae Adams. And then he gets a third down conversion on a slant, injures the ankle, has to leave the game. Has to come out, yep. Brian Bulaga gets evaluated for a concussion, leaves the game in the second half. Jared Valdir, for the first time in 365 days, has to come in and play in an NFL regular season game. Yeah. And he steps up at right tackle. So regardless of what the odds are, what the score is, or how poorly they might have played in the first half, here you are with different guys in different positions stepping up and making themselves making their presence felt. That, I think, is ultimately wherever this, this ride ends for the Packers. That is going to be what I remember this team for the most is that no matter who they're playing or what the circumstances are, they have guys 1 through 46 on the game day roster that are going to be ready to step in there and contribute. Yeah. All right. Well, we need to get uh, to the rundown on where the Packers stand in this playoff picture, but I will take care of some sponsor business first. Select Cousin Subs locations are now offering delivery. Whether you're ordering, catering, or your favorite sub, they're delivering right to you when you order online at CousinSubs.com. Cousin Subs, we believe in better. Okay, as I said at the top of the show, with the victory, the Packers secured a first-round bye in the playoffs. They then became very interested spectators in the Sunday night football game between San Francisco and Seattle. And the Packers come literally, west one inch away from... Maybe two inches. Maybe two. From the number one overall seed as yeah. uh, Seattle's comeback at CenturyLink ends up just a couple inches shy of the goal line. San Francisco wins by 5, 26 to 21. San Francisco is the number one seed. The Packers are the number two. They also find out as soon as that game is over that the Packers time slot for the divisional round. The Packers will play the final 
game of the four divisional games in two weeks. It will be Sunday, January 12th, Lambeau Field, 5.40 p.m. Central Time. So uh, an early evening kickoff there. And the Packers will face one of three opponents. They will face either the New Orleans Saints, who are the three seed, the Philadelphia Eagles, who are the four seed, or the Seattle Seahawks, who drop to the five seed with the loss to San Francisco on Sunday night. So the scenario is this, and it's really pretty simple. The Minnesota Vikings are playing at New Orleans this coming Sunday in the wildcard round. If Minnesota wins that game, if Minnesota pulls the upset, so to speak, Minnesota will go to San Francisco and the Packers will get the winner of the Philadelphia-Seattle game. If New Orleans, if the seeds hold and New Orleans wins at home as the three seed, New Orleans is coming to Lambeau Field on January 12th. So that is where things stand. Really interesting the way this shook out, obviously, at the top of the NFC because you end up with three teams that are 13-3. and three. Yeah. And I can't remember the last time. I'd have to look it up. Maybe I looked it up earlier. But that a 13-3 and three team did not get a first-round bye. The Saints yeah. at 13-3 and three are the three seed, and they do have to play in the wild-card round. Yeah, and to be honest with you, I think that actually probably tells the story of the NFC in 2019. They're just it was very top heavy. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there are four teams that kind of solidified themselves as the, the cream of the crop. San Francisco, Green Bay, Seattle, and New Orleans. Minnesota was always on the cusp of that, but they never really got a, a key victory throughout the course of the year and the NFC East is just the NFC East. Yeah. So it, it actually does, I think, speak to the parity of this, or not really the parity, but on top the parity of those three teams in where they stand going into this thing. For the Packers, it's the first time in five years that they get a bye. It was interesting talking to a few guys in the locker room that have been around for a pretty good amount of time, and they've never experienced that. All they've known since really entering the league is sort of playing from behind, trying to get a playoff berth, and then missing the playoffs the past two years. Right. This is different. So you look at it with Lazard with the ankle injury, obviously the injuries to Balaga and, and Lindsley. This gives you a week now to be able to sit back, recover from that. We don't know at this point in time when we're shooting the show how Matt LaFleur is actually going to approach this week and what his, what his mentality will be. I know for a fact, going back to 2014, when Mike McCarthy last got the bye, they gave off the players the beginning half of the week, and then they returned at the end of it to do some practices and a little bit of work on Friday and Saturday. So a lot of different things that they're going to have to sort out. But as I was saying to you know some of the members of the executive committee as we were work, walking out of the building, I mean, it's a good problem to have. I mean, yeah. To finally be in a position where you don't have to run the table, you don't have to catch up, you can kind of breathe a little bit. Don't take that too you know, seriously, but I mean, being able to just kind of decompress and reset. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a, it's a reset. It's a reset. It's a recharge week. You mentioned the injuries, the Packers obviously will try to, will try to get those guys healthy. Usually in these situations, the, the coaches will start preparing sort of preliminary game plans for all three potential yeah. opponents, not taking every game plan to the finish line necessarily, but you'd start doing that scouting work on all three of those opponents. You're also doing a lot of scouting on yourselves in terms of where you are and uh, and what you need to or want to take into the playoffs and or what adjustments you need to make. So that's what this week will be about. As you said, we'll wait and see exactly what the players' schedule is when Matt LaFleur announces that. Two things I want to close the show on here. I know our rental time for the hour is almost up, but I need to ask you this first thing. You watched the San Francisco-Seattle game? Yes. The play with... Uh, was it Hollister that ended up being? It looked like he possibly was interfered with in the end zone. Oh, the the third was that the third down that play. Place was I can't remember who the receiver was, but yeah. So where do you stand on that? Al Riveron says they had enough time to look at it and said it didn't. There wasn't enough there. I. This is what I said. This is what I said in Insider Inbox. 
if you're not if you're not going to stop the game and take the time to actually look at that play, then the rule is useless. It's only a regular season finale. I mean, for a, for a division championship, yeah. and the difference between a one seed and a five seed for the San Francisco 49ers. I I mean, I'm sorry, I don't believe that they had enough time to look at it and make a decision. Quite frankly, and if and if they made the decision, if they made the decision that quickly, that means they were just they they've. As they've been the vast majority of the season, they've been completely predisposed to not throw a flag, which, again, I just say makes the rule useless. The rule is there. If the pass interference is on the film, then you have to throw the flag from New York. That's mm-hmm. why they put the rule in. And uh, I, I just say I just what I said in inbox is either get rid of the rule or get rid of the people who are not applying it properly. It, the league has yeah. to do one of two things, in my opinion. They're going to get rid of the rule. If anything, that's I what see I think is going to happen too. To just the postseason, but they're going to get rid of it. I mean, that's we can just say that definitively at this point. The thing I love about it, as I'm watching the game with my father uh, in, in my parents' living room, as we after we got home, yeah. I've lost probably about between 10 to 15 minutes of my life this year, including on Sunday night watching uh, Alan Lazard play in which the ball didn't even touch the ground, get reviewed. Uh, there's been incidences like this throughout the course of the year where things have been reviewed or called upon. I think it happened a couple weeks ago, too, uh, where they took a look at a possible pass interference well, there was, late yeah, there in was, Chicago, right? Yeah, it was, it, was on a fourth, it was on a fourth down play, yep. and, they, and they, stopped the, they stopped the game to look at it. And th- that's, that's my whole thing is like, okay, you actually – you actually think you had enough time to look at that play? I mean, down to the wire, division championship on the line and everything like that. You're saying you had enough time to look at that play when we've seen yes. things that have been stopped and looked at more closely just to be sure? Mm-hmm. And they didn't take the time to make sure on a very, very crucial play, which to me means the rule is useless. Yeah, it is. There's no point in it. Yeah. But it was just funny. Again, NFL – the officiate they're just kind of tripping towards the the goal line at the end of the yeah. season. Uh, I, I want to mention this because uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about all the other games that happened. But I made a little tweet on the Twitter machine last night. Okay. You may have seen it, probably not. You don't really check Twitter that often. I was a l- I was a little busy because so, because I had to. I actually kind of had to have two stories ready, like oh, San yeah. Francisco wins, Seattle wins, and what the Packers seed was, and all that. So I was communicating with uh, with our boss because we were trying to get something up as soon as the game was over. But of course. We literally were had to wait until the very last second because we yes. didn't know who was going to win that that uh, game in Seattle. Well, I was sitting there with a hot dog in my hand watching this game, okay. and I, I just want to mention this because I, I tweeted this too. My plea, maybe I'll go on the ISO camera. Marvin, if you can get me all centered up here. Hello. <laughs> How are you? My plea to Packer fans right now, enjoy this. Enjoy this ride. It doesn't matter what's happened. It doesn't matter how ugly it's been at times. <laughs> enjoy this because – Two things happened Sunday that really hit home with me. One, the New England Patriots, in the same exact situation the Green Bay Packers were in in regards to their own division, lost a game to the Miami Dolphins, and it cost them a first-round bye. They'll now play, I think, on Saturday, right? Yeah, they're playing Saturday night in Foxborough. First time the Patriots have not had the bye in 10 years. That happened. The second thing, if you get a chance, I think the Los Angeles Chargers tweeted this out. Phillip Rivers had one of the most powerful emotional snippets of in a very it was a very emotional comment about his approach to the game and what this game means to him and when you fall short of your goals how that affects you take a look at that video and look at the box score of the New England Patriots game and step back for a second and appreciate where the Green Bay Packers stand the first half not what you wanted 
Packers are going to need to play better than that to make a deep playoff run. Yep. There's not going to be a lot of these teams left that are going to allow you to stay in those games if you aren't able to really effectively move the ball in that first half. No question about it. But the Green Bay Packers won that game, and their 13 victories on this season gave them a number two seed in the playoffs. Enjoy this. These runs are special, and you don't get them all the time. Yeah, with that. We'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. You can subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services, and there's all kinds of great video content on the Packers YouTube channel, so check that out. For Wes, I'm Mike. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.